You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I'm planning an episode, I tend to ask my guests sort of uh, what artists they'd like to talk about, who are their favorite artists, what's a fun artwork they think they'd like to discuss. And my guest this week was Goldie Robinson. You might remember her from our previous episode on Alexander McQueen. She suggested some nice summer fun with Derek Adams and one of the works from his Floaters series. To be honest, Derek Adams was not an artist I was familiar with at the time. While my first instinct is to look at these pieces and say, yes, they are bright, colorful, super fun summer pictures, as with so many great works of art, there's a lot more to it than what we see on the surface. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and joining me once again, I have the one and only Goldie Robinson, art teacher out of Atlanta. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. I am excited. Today, you're actually bringing me an artist that I was not familiar with um, mm-hmm. before before we started uh, talking about him. And you suggested Derek Adams for some nice summer fun. Um, mm-hmm. I love these, these uh, floating poolside pictures, the recreation mm-hmm. and all of that. It is a nice summer vibe, but there's so much more to him. The more I researched, there's just, there's so much there. So thank you for helping me discover a cool artist. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I think uh, he really stands apart. Uh, and especially when I think about contemporary art artists, um, I just, I love his work. And even somehow more than his images, I like how he talks about his art. Yeah. Um, you know, and you said he's a contemporary artist. He was born in mm-hmm. 1970, born and raised in Baltimore. At age 10, like so many people, you know, he's doing like those those citywide school art competitions and kind of st- stuff like that. Like I always have my students are designing calendars for the police department and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> he, he won the citywide student art competition called My Heritage Myself. And he had his work displayed in City Hall, got lunch with the mayor, like Man, that is quite the cool experience. Because also, like, Baltimore, not exactly a small city. No, know? it's not. I mean, he must have had a, a th- he must have had a pretty good art teacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for for any of the students who listen, listen mm-hmm. to your art teacher. That's right. We know. <laughs> but he started off, like I said, getting recognition from age ten. And he goes on to get his BFA from uh, Pratt Institute in 1996. He went on to get an MFA from Columbia University, 2003. You said you studied a bit at Columbia, right? 
I did. I got my master's degree in art and art education there, graduated in uh, 2011. Yeah, so just a bit after him. Um, but mm-hmm. fantastic, fantastic school. Both schools he Loved went to, it. like top notch. And, you know, he, shortly after getting that MFA, he starts to get some recognition in the gallery world. I mean, 2003, he also had his first solo show at the Jack Tilton Gallery in New York. And, I mean, that's a gallery for sort of helping to launch the careers of, of a number of artists. And he works in a lot of media. One of the things that I I said before, as I started to look at him and investigate him a little bit more, um, I was just really taken by how much there is to his body of work. Because we're going to be talking about one of his paintings um, from his Floaters series, like the the fun summertime paintings that he's doing. But he's worked in sculpture, collage, painting, like he talks about all of these different purposes and how he, I, I, I think he basically said one of the great joys of the arts is you get to create these environments that you want to see and experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful way of talking about it. Yeah. You know? Um, mm-hmm. And I was, I was also struck by, I've, I've read up a, a bit and some interviews of his and one of the things that um, he did earlier in his career was he was focusing on TV. Have you seen his works? Um, I haven't. I'd he, love to know more. Well, he talked about TV as like this medium that like the TV is almost the extra person in the house, you know? Mm-hmm. And he talks about the way that TV is this way that we experience the world. It sets expectations for us. Like we feel good about ourselves when our home looks like the houses of the people on TV and not so great when our home falls short of what we're seeing yeah. in there. Um mm-hmm. I mean, there there was that um, theorist Marshall McLuhan who talked about the global village and the sort of homogenizing effect, the way that TV and mass media sort of create this common culture. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I found really interesting was he was talking about, because a lot of his work is focused on black culture, black identity, and how Mm -hmm. representation on TV was not always the most diverse. I'm sure we've mm-hmm. we've all seen this and, and witnessed it. Yeah. Um he mm-hmm. talked about how like and and this one this one kind of hit hit me because he talked about like Fresh Prince of Bel Air. You mm-hmm. remember that show? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he talked about like like personally growing up, I loved that show. And yeah, me too. And I remember Will Smith's character was delightful, but it, you know, he talked about Will Smith's character on there, just like so many others, as like this caricature of a human being. Yes. And that's the yeah. representation that he was getting. Um, although I will say in defense of Fresh Prince, you know, Uncle mm-hmm. Phil was a very serious judicial mind and but, taken very yeah. seriously in Bel Air. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Phil, sure. I mean, and then you have, you have like the contrast between uh, Will and Carlton and uh, I mean, it's the whole thing is caricatures, but it that's the 90s. The 90s were very problematic, but it, I mean, that's neither here nor there. The 90s were problematic. Um, and the, the 90s, 90s were very, yeah. 
I mean, 90s television was based on caricatures across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I always felt like I always felt like there was something in it that was nice about how um, on that show we saw a range of stereotyped figures. <laughs> we everyone was stereotyped against. We had the stereotype we had the stereotypical serious attorney, we had the stereotypical right. nerd, we had the st- you the know mom, oh my god. Yes, the sister who was like daddy, I need $300. <laughs> but yes. in in some ways like what he's talking about is how television is so out there and and i yeah. like that as he talks about it he he doesn't do it in a judgmental way of saying like tv is so vapid and shallow he's just talking about how it's a fact that the tv and these characters are out there and they're consumed on mass and they sort of mm-hmm. normalize certain behaviors and depictions and like what does that mean for us what does that look like for us um he he's often talked about and portrayed tv in his work not in a a way that's passing judgment on it because he says he likes tv but just getting us to think about like well what are we showing there and what is the effect that it has on society because there's this feedback loop where I started off talking about how, like, when we see our house looks like the houses on TV, we feel okay. But, like, mm-hmm. the same goes for, for people, you know? When I, yeah. when I would watch, like, Parks and Rec and I would see um, Adam Scott as that nerdy person, I felt seen, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, uh, have you ever seen Abbott Elementary? I have not seen that yet. On Hulu? Oh, you've got to see it. I mean, it's definitely like hits very close to home because it's about teachers and like teacher life. Um, So sometimes it's, it's not funny to me and it's very much, it's not an escape (laughs) because I'm like, this is like my real life. Like I don't need to watch this like teacher, like trying to get money to buy a new rug for her classroom. Like that's how teaching is, you know, but um, yeah, it's, but I feel seen when I watch Abbott elementary for sure. Yeah, and I think in a lot of his work, what he's doing is trying to, you know, portray different aspects of culture and make sure that all different people are seen for who they are and in lots of different contexts. I think one of the things I, I want to be fair to to him as we talk about his work, because he talks about how he wants his work to be evaluated on formal qualities you know, he he said like one of the things, or at least from what I've read, one of the things that that bothers him is so much stuff is talking about the narrative. And I mean, mm. for all of my work <laughs> in the podcast, it's always about the story and the narrative behind the right. work. But he talks yes. about like looking at his work through a formalist lens um, mm-hmm. because he wants. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, he wants it. <laughs> he wants it to be evaluated in that sense because. He feels like, especially, um, you know, artists of different cultural backgrounds, you know, whether it's a black artist or a Latinx artist or a queer artist or whatever it might be, a lot of times it's their personal narrative and viewpoint that's mm-hmm. that's central. And he talks about, well, we don't say that in the, Bo- the Mona Lisa. Um, we talk about how beautifully it's painted, although I personally find... I disagree with him on that. I find the story of the Mona Lisa far more interesting than the formal qualities. But I think 
that gives us a good moment now to shift to sort of the second segment analysis of a piece. So here we've got, this is, if it's not one of the first ones you sent me, it's one of the first, it, like you kind of referenced his floater series. This is floater 73. It's acrylic paint and fabric sort of collaged on paper, mm-hmm. 50 by 72 inches. So pretty, pretty large. Mm-hmm. Um, as we're looking out, as we're looking at this, what's jumping out at you? What are you noticing? Um. Well, what jumps out at me first and is the narrative, it's not necessarily the formal aspects of it, but I mean, if I was to say one word that comes to my head when I look at this image, I would say innocence. Like it it looks very much like this, it's this image of um, childhood. Um, These kids, there's, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, there's five kids in a pool and they're all just kind of playing together. they're on these giant floaties, like these swan floaties. And it just looks like um, this typical picture of kids having fun in a pool. Um, but then the longer I look at it, um, I notice um, something that catches my eye is dead center Um There is a figure on one of the swan floaties. Um, I think it's a girl. Yeah. And she's got on like the texture the patterns and textures and colors of it definitely stand out to me um and this girl has got on um this like striped top that kind of evokes like traditional african uh patterns that are used in fabric and then the bottom has this like red and white polka dot pattern that almost reminds me of like a mini mouse or like a mickey mouse kind of pattern um so I really liked the juxtaposition of these two elements of like traditional um, or almost like the roots of a person um, mixed with like contemporary influences, I guess. I, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely reading a lot into it. And part of that is because I can't help it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was an art major and I, you know, and all those kind of things. So it's like, I just go there. All, I go straight to the narrative because I, I just want to know what a picture is coming to teach us. Right. So I'm like, what is this communicating? What is, what, what does the artist want me to know about themselves or about the world by seeing this image? Um, and yeah, yeah, it's something that popped out to me. Yeah. I, I actually had the same, um, really, I I had a lot of the same thoughts because particularly with the cloth, I mean, I look at that and it Mm -hmm. feels like a Kenti cloth and I had the same thought of like a Disney (laughs) Mickey mini kind of polka dot. And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason I was I was focused on that is not not only is it central to the composition, but it's a mm-hmm. clash. I mean, it's stripes and polka right. dots. You just don't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like my my gut level first reaction is just like this seems fun. This seems mm-hmm. fun not only because it's people out on the on the water. You know, like it's it's it seems like, you know, they've got the inflatables. It seems like they're they're just having a good time. But also because he is mixing patterns in this playful way and mm-hmm. he is using the super saturated colors. Right. I mean, like that's a yeah. bold blue for the water. And it's a and and it's a really bright yellow on that 
farthest um, floaty, like uh, I'm going to say a duck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also like this nice, like almost fluorescent orange floating off in the distance. Um, yeah. And I think like when you have those like super bright, bold colors and the somewhat complementary color scheme there, making them appear higher contrast and even brighter and bolder. It just mm-hmm. reads fun and playful to me, you yeah. know? You know what else I, I pick up on in this picture is that there's there are no adults present, but there's the indication of the presence of adults by these kids wearing their safety jackets. A couple of them have their safety jackets on, and you just get the sense that these are kids who are being cared for and looked after. And that element of, like, safety, they we feel as the viewers that they feel safe where they are and that helps us enjoy the image even more because we feel that we, we feel the way that they feel taken care of by their grownups. I mean, that's what I felt when I saw it. Also. Yeah. See, that's interesting. You see them all as childish figures where I was seeing the figure in the bottom (laughs) left corner, the person who's standing in the water as being (laughs) like the grown up or the lifeguard or you know what i'm saying like yeah. we see people we we see kids floating and then we see another mm-hmm. figure but there are no markers of age per se that's true um maybe the um in the foreground there's uh, the girl with the green life jacket um has those dots in her hair i think to indicate the beads in her braids and and that is typically um a younger hairstyle so I mean, that is an indication of age to me, but uh, again, that's my interpretation. Yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. I also find it interesting how it's like on the figures, it's this color blocking that, mm-hmm. feel, you know what I mean? It's like this simplified. In their skin. I mean, and and really we see the color blocking on on the and we see like indications of shadow and highlight on the inflatables as well but there's yeah. much more broken up and much sort of less realistic mm-hmm. um on on the figures and yeah. i go back and forth on that because in some areas i feel like it's working and in some areas i'm i'm not so thrilled with it like i'm looking at the gray on the cheek of the the one I knew you were going to say that the gray patch, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. me? I, I um, think, I, I, I mean, I think everything's intentional, so I kind of welcome the being bothered. But I do see that, and I see the gray on the um on the female figures, the girl's arm in the behind that as well, kind of pops out. Um, I think it it would be I. Th- uh, to be honest, I think as a, if we are breaking it down in terms of formal, I'm just trying to get really close to it, um, formal aspects, it's kind of because it doesn't look so precise. It it, it kind of just is there. Um, and like we know that Derek Adams can really scrutinize the planes of something. And we see that in the way that he's done the swans. So you know that it's intentional that there's this one flat gray piece on the face. And I'm just thinking, why did he do that? And what is he trying to tell me? (laughs) Yeah, because it feels like there should be a division between the the planes there on the cheek. Maybe like a darker rectangle towards the back. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I think that, and there's something just on a gut level for me, whenever I see, whenever I see like cooler tones yeah. in the skin tones, it always, I, I don't know. I like warmer skin tones. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, the, the cool tends to read as like l- less healthy and vibrant to me mm-hmm. when I'm seeing more mm-hmm. cooler tones mixed into the, to the skin. Um, I, I get that. Cause I mean, I feel like I, you're ready to I disagree took, with that. No, I, well, when I, when I took watercolor illustration at FIT, <laughs> um, I, my professor told me when we, so when we were painting faces, um, you know, we had the, the light source would be more like warmer hues. And then mm-hmm. the part that was cast in shadow would be the cooler hues. Um, so cooler parts being welcome um but i think that since this is an image of people in the sun presumably there i mean it should all be warm tones you know there shouldn't be really very many cool tones at all so i get it um but i think you know i have nothing but respect for Derek adams i just know that it's like that's his choice as like that artist's choice. The, that's a choice that he made and listen and getting us thinking. So it's a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I mean, he's better than me. I'm not going <laughs> to, he, he's, he's better than me too. I, I can admit it readily. <laughs> I, I have no shame in admitting that. I just, um, I think it's my own association. Like I always, like when I see stories, cooler skin tones it reads as like pale sickly kind of yeah Yeah. (laughs) like too much blue in the figure makes it look dead and i think it's Uh it's probably from something in my own background where like i was taught that um and and i think it's probably one of those things that like it came up from either a criticism I got from a, an art teacher early on who was like, Oh, that looks too cool. They look dead. Or like, <laughs> um, like my father was an ER doc. And so like oh, a, a lot of times, like, Oh, we have, is he turning blue? That kind well, of like, and, and we've, you know, we've, we've had conversations. I don't pretend for a moment to know the things that he knows, but um, like, have had conversations where he's talked about sort of body systems and how things work and like where the blood gets the oxygen Mm -hmm. and how it turns red. And, you know, I've always just had it in my head, like, well, a healthy person's going to be some predominantly warmer tones and you might cool it off in the shadows to get to that, that Mm -hmm. neutral. Um, I don't know. That's why, that's why that piece, that little bit bothered me because like you see some of these skin tones that look cooler than the water. Well, there's this concept and you can fully cut out what I'm about to say, but there is a concept. So I'm Jewish and in in Jewish culture, there's a concept that even during happy times, we still remember um, the destruction of the temple and the sad times of our personal, of our shared history as Jews, right? So that's why the tradition of at a Jewish wedding, you break the glass um, Mm -hmm. because it's like a reminder that like, even in this happiest of time, there's still like that little bit of that sadness that we need to remember. So it could be, and that for Derek Adams, it's like 
he's created these images of such pure joy and fun. Um, and maybe for him, including the, a block of gray that feels oddly placed um, is just that little bit of contrast that's needed um, to, ju- to just say like, I'm not sure how to, how to like put a bow on this thought. But I think you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, I kind of hear you saying it's this moment of disunity that calls your attention to what he's doing and gets you to think about it more seriously and symbolically. Yes. I think that if it was all warm tones and all happiness all the time, this would be an Old Navy ad and this would not be fine art. Yeah. And and I think, you know, to sort of bring this full circle, I think part of the reason, and I, I, I am going to get into the sort of narrative structure and symbolism here because he's creating work in a societal context and his other body of work has explicitly talked about this quite a bit. I think part of what he's trying to do is break with mass media stereotypes and show Mm -hmm. a different type of, you know, black figure out there. What we're coming off of in contemporary art was very um, explicit and dark. And Kara Walker was just coming up and she's still really big. And I don't know if you're familiar with um, any of her images. And I love her. This is no shade to Kara Walker. She is necessary and important, but um you know, to have, there needs to be some kind of levity to contrast with that kind of gravity. One of the things that he was doing here, and from what what I've read, this is very deliberate. He's talked about how, not to minimize the work that is, you know, like, um, you know, the, the migration series or like those other things that are like talking about the struggle and, and, real life issues and oppression and all of that sort of stuff. But what he says is that's not all there is to it. And that there Mm -hmm. is also like a need to show the full picture of Mm -hmm. people's experience and to, to represent, you know, joyous occasions too. And children at play and all of that sort of stuff as a part of recognizing, you know, the wide scope of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what you're going towards? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's about helping people connect and understand each other. So I think on that level, it's, it's super uh, important and meaningful. And I'm going to stake out a bold claim here. Everybody likes fun. Yes, (laughs) exactly. I'm wrapping it up. I want just a three-point rating scale. And where should this hang? The loo? Is this something to look at? The lab? lab. Is this something to learn from? Or the loo? British for bathroom. Yeah, there's a loo joke in there somewhere. Oh, that's terrible. Okay, so I think I think it's um, this is a Louvre piece. partly because of the formal elements involved, but also because knowing the intentions of the artist and, and wanting to honor him, it's kind of hard not to, once you know what, how he wanted it to be received, it's hard for me not to receive it that way. Do you know what I mean? 
Well, there's there's a lot to it. There there are mm-hmm. a lot of layers to it. Um, and I think for me, the reason I end up in the loo is not as a dismissive thing. It's because I just cannot resist the joke of a piece called Floaters going in the loo. <laughs> Um, that's but, great what a note to, to end up. You really you brought it back Kyle tip of the hat to you uh, <laughs> but 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 in all seriousness I do think this is a piece this is a piece to appreciate outside of the museum context because it's so much about leisure it's so much about yes. play and there's more yes. to it and I understand that there's a very cerebral element to it but i want to see it in a more fun and relaxed context you know the things that bring you joy you need to lean into and i i fully believe that even if you're 37 if you're seven if you're 87 whatever yeah i think that's (laughs) i think that's a really good point that i am kind of kicking myself for failing to pick up on that we as adults need to hold on to those things that bring joy and you know realize that that um not everything needs to be serious and actually we should take leisure and play seriously at all Mm -hmm. ages yeah Turn that music up. Well, Turn it right up. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on and bringing some joy to this podcast and fun connections and all of that sort of stuff that we need. My pleasure, Kyle. This was so much fun. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.